Father, we would pray that you would be pleased to speak from your word directly to our hearts and to our minds this day. Help us, Father, as we bring ourselves before you, that we will not be distracted uh, in any way by anything, but that we would be able to concentrate on you and that we would be able to hear from you because you are our Lord and your word is the truth. And we would long for your word to sing in our hearts this day that we might know more of you. Father, in your mercy, hear our prayer, we pray. Amen. We have been looking at the book of Acts. We are still looking at the book of Acts, although you might not have picked that up from the reading that we had today. But there is a reason for that. Today, we are looking at how the gospel transforms communities. Right at the beginning of Acts, in a place that we read from a couple of weeks ago, we have a snapshot of what the early church looked like, a snapshot of that very first community of Christians. But Acts is history. Acts is a book that is reporting what actually happened at a particular time. Acts is not prescriptive. As all of history, Acts is showing us what happened at a point in time and saying to us, draw principles from that that will lead you on to live in the future and that will lead you on to live today. As the book of Acts progresses, we see lots of different churches starting. When you get as far as Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 18, you see Paul on a missionary journey going to churches which have great names like Pisidia, Antioch and Lyconium and Istria and others, and they are all in the province of Galatia. None of those churches are told that they have to live together in communities and share everything together. But they have a whole letter that is written to them explaining, okay, what does it mean now? Now that the gospel has gone global, now that we have churches everywhere, what does it mean for us to live as Christians so we are trying to take the principles that we get from the letter, which Moira read for us, and apply them to the situation that was in the Acts church, but also to make that huge leap and to apply them to the situation that we find ourselves in today. Now last week we looked at this slide simply, simply to give us a context for where this is all coming from and how the whole of the book of Acts fits together. And very simply, it fits together like this. Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes and as a result of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling the apostles, then the first community and the first church of Christians begins. We have stories about individuals who are transformed. And last week, 
we took time together to look at Saul, to see how one person was completely transformed from being absolutely opposed to the cross of Christ, absolutely opposed to Jesus, to coming to that cross and realizing his own need to becoming part of a new community, a Christian who taught others. And then through Saul who became Paul, we have most, not all, but we have most of the rest of the New Testament as Paul travels back and forth to different churches and then as Paul writes to Christians that he has met and as he writes to Christians who he has not yet met. So Galatians is a book that is written to Christians. It's not written to everybody else. It's written to a church or a group of churches that was already established. And so we are going to use some of the same headings as we looked at last week, but to try to understand what they mean for us rather than what they meant for Saul as we saw them worked out. The reading that Myra brought to us begins with this sense of being called to live a life of freedom. A life of freedom in Christ, which is to be lived by grace. It's a life that is all about being and not about doing. It's a life that is based on character and the change of character rather than the acquisition of skills. It's a life that is based on the sense of freedom in order to serve one another. It's not tied to particular ideas of power and authority and world order. A very simple illustration of this. A few years ago, I became the lowest of the low. I spent about a year being a supply teacher in the schools of Ipswich. It is fair to say that there was not a single head teacher in that year who offered me a cup of tea in the staff room. There were lots of teaching assistants who offered me a cup of tea in the classroom. And that's okay, isn't it? Because the head teacher hopefully has more to do than make her supply teaching staff a cup of tea. She has a position, or he has a position of power and authority, the same as so many of us in our workplaces. We have positions that set us above other people. But those positions should not take place in the church too. As we come along to church and as we belong to our community on Sunday, it doesn't matter what we do between Monday and Friday in some senses. It doesn't matter if we are used to everybody else serving us. The point of Christian community is that we are happy to serve one another that we are all happy to do the smallest tasks as well as the biggest tasks. And I know that within that, God gifts us in different ways. 
but it still makes my heart sing when the CEO of a major corporation offers me a cup of tea in church on a Sunday. It is a good thing. It is a very simple demonstration of ourselves as community because as a church community, we are different. Our commitment to each other is different to the commitment that we have to others who are around us in the workplace because our standards are different and our character, the way we demonstrate that character, has to be different. Gospel teaching transforms our commitment, but it also transforms our conscience. There are so many things that I would like to do which actually aren't right. So many things. I would like to tell lies to get me out of trouble, but it's not right. I would like, as we discussed with a friend who came for tea yesterday, to take all the pencils from Ikea because they look so appealing and they're in those boxes and you can just take a handful. But it's not right. I would like to be vindictive and to say nasty things about people who have hurt me, but it isn't right. The Christian community is one that is governed not by what we want, but governed by Christ Jesus, who transforms us in our inner selves. He transforms us because of the cross. He nails our sinful nature to the cross, and therefore, we have the freedom to be different. We have the freedom to choose. We have the freedom to think about what we would do and to think about how we would be. It transforms our conscience. It transforms our attitude. I would like to read a little bit from a book that I have enjoyed very much. It's by Max Licardo and it's called Every Day Deserves a Chance. Just bear with me for a moment. Excerpts from the Diary of a Dog. 8 a.m. Squeaky. Oh boy! Dog food, my favourite. 9.30 a.m. Oh boy! A car ride, my favourite. 9.40 a.m. Oh boy! A walk, my favourite. 10.30 a.m. Oh boy! It's another car ride, my favourite. 11.30 a.m. Oh boy! More dog food, my favourite. Oh boy! The kids, my favourite. Oh boy! The yard, my favourite. Oh boy! The kids again, my favourite. And so it goes on. Excerpts from the diary of a cat. Day 283 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while I'm forced to eat dry cereal. I'm sustained by the hope of escape and the mild satisfaction I derive from ruining a few pieces of furniture. Tomorrow, 
I may eat another houseplant. I attempted to kill my captors this morning by sneaking around under their feet. I nearly succeeded. I must try this, trage- this strategy at the top of the stairs. And so it goes on. It's a very good book. But its point is that it's talking about our attitude It's talking about what happens inside us every day as we get up in the morning. What are we seeking to be like? Are we seeking to be those people who allow Christ Jesus to transform us and so allow our attitudes to change? Are we seeking to be those people who look for the best or are we really seeking to be just like those cats and looking for the worst? Are we willing to transform our thinking? Because that's what our conscience does. Are we willing to go over our day from the day before and think, I got that wrong. I felt that wrong. I thought that wrong. And today, I want to be different. Today, I want to give this day a chance. I want to go on with God. The more we do that, then the more our community can be completely transformed because gospel teaching transforms our community. In Acts, it was really easy to see what that transformed community looked like because they shared everything they had and people could see that. What about our church community? What do people see in us? At the very first uh, house party or church weekend away that Dave and I went to when we were part of this church, we were talking about how dirty our carpets were at home. And the people whose table we sat on said, well, we have a carpet cleaner, and we did not know these people very well. You know, one of those ones that will wash the carpet rather than just vacuum clean it. And with timidity and trepidation, we said, could we possibly perhaps, maybe, sometime in the next millennium, could we borrow your carpet cleaner? They were generous to a fault. They didn't just give us the carpet cleaner, they gave us the liquid that we needed to use in the carpet cleaner. And they didn't expect the carpet cleaner to look absolutely pristine when we gave it back, because they're flipping hard to tidy up. But they accepted it back from us, gratefully. They were kind. They were prepared to share with us what they had, which is good, because we've just asked to borrow it again. (laughs) They felt that what they owned was not their own. And so it's a willingness that others see in us to be kind towards one another, to give each other lifts to the picnic next week without complaining, to go the extra mile for those who are in need. 
There is another book to draw your attention to called The Prodigal God. It's a book that looks at the parable of the prodigal son, but in a completely different way by Tim Keller. He looks at how God is the prodigal God, because prodigal means to spend everything and to give with such generosity and without thought. And God does that for us with his love. He gives it to us with generosity and without thought. And the book looks at what it's like to be the younger brother who takes everything and runs away from God, and the older brother who in his legalistic mindset does everything right, but actually he doesn't live in community either. He's not interested in what other people do. And Tim Keller very briefly says, God is not saying that only social workers get into heaven. Rather, he is saying that the inevitable sign that you know you are a sinner saved by grace, costly grace, is a sensitive social conscience and a life poured out in deeds of service to the poor. Younger brothers are too selfish, and elder brothers are too self-righteous to care for the poor. And both of those are equally wrong in opposite ways. And so gospel teaching transforms also our credibility. Were you here on the days when we have had church parties and welcomed the community in? Were you here to hear how pleased people were to be invited to a party? Were you here to see how people smiled in the street afterwards? Even if their comments sometimes left you a little up in the air about what exactly they thought they had been to or done. But were you here to see the joy? When we arrive at church on a Sunday morning, what do we display to all the people who live in the flats opposite? Do we come with radiant faces, full of smiles, eager to meet one another and join in together? Or do we come looking stressed or bored? or hassled, or frustrated? What do people hear us saying to each other? Well, you shouldn't have parked there. Or, please, take my space. What do people hear about what we say to our children? Shut up! Get down! Come on! Or, come on, there's a biscuit here. Hurry up. What do people hear? What does it convey? Are we a credible people so that we enjoy the goodwill of all the people around us? Because that is a corporate thing. We cannot earn that credibility on our own or by ourselves. We want others to see our shared community in action. We want them to see us as people of generosity and joy. And in order for them to see it, then it has to be real. The same as 
our conversation has to be real. We know these verses really well from Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit as opposed to our natural selves. So much of this comes out in the way that we speak to one another. And we need to be people who are the second half of this and not the first half. We have to be people who demonstrate our care for each other in real ways. We need to learn to say thank you to one another more than we do. We need to learn to give appropriate praise and appropriate encouragement that isn't convincing people they're good when they're not, but is being truly thankful for the diversity that we are as a group of people and allowing us to really share that together. So let's not argue. Let's not bring strife to our community together. But let's try and demonstrate these other things instead so that we become transformed in our conversation, which then transforms our credibility, which then transforms our community, which transforms everything about us. Gospel teaching transforms our certainties for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Being a Christian isn't about legalistic doctrine. It is about how we respond to God and how out of relationship with God we respond to other people the other people who we live with, the other people who we share our church with. We have to be certain that they count. And the only way we can be certain that they count is if we are certain that we count. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to save those who are sinners. I am a sinner and I have been saved by grace, not because of anything that I have done. Because if you saw me at home, you would know that I am not enough. And if I saw you at home, I would know that of you too. We are not enough. We cannot save ourselves. But God has chosen amazingly to save us and when we are certain that we can only live because of him then we can be certain that others are in him too that he loves others too and that our job here is in order to hold firm to our convictions and to live them out so that we speak of him and help him in his work of transforming other people. Our old nature loves to do evil, but our new nature in the spirit desires the opposite. We seek to love God and we demonstrate it through loving 
other people. And lastly, gospel teaching transforms our courage. It transforms our courage to speak. We are not people who have it all together. We are those people who are saved by grace. And because we are saved, we can have courage in what has saved us. We can have courage in who has saved us. And we can have courage in the truth that is his word. So that as we talk about it with other people, we don't have to do it apologetically. We don't have to be sorry for what God's word says. We can say it with boldness. Christ is raised. Christ is Lord. Christ is master. And Christ loves each one of us. And as we say it with absolute courage and conviction, we are transformed as individuals. And our transformation as individuals allows us to transform the community of church that we live in, the community that is around us that we are part of, the community that is in our workplace that we are also part of, the community that is our family that we are part of, the community that is part of the world that we are part of. Global gospel works when it works in us, but not otherwise. Amen.